are listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? It's BGM Radio, episode number 100, and it's the episode where we discuss the Philadelphia Eagles winning the NFC East, going 4-0, down the stretch, it's the Giants, Washington team, Cowboys, Giants again, making the playoffs at 9-7, after all hope looked lost after they were 5-7, coming off a gross loss to the Miami Dolphins. I am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of bleedinggreennation.com. Brandon, how are you, my friend? Jimmy, happy new year. Thank Listeners, you. Likewise. happy new year. Yes. Thank you. I feel like the Eagles won because we put out the call to people to review the podcast. And they said, you know, if you didn't review the podcast, then the Eagles can't win. So I think it's a clear formula here. If you want to see the Eagles win in the playoffs and maybe you can go on a Super Bowl run, you have to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. There's a direct correlation, I think. Yeah. And if you don't, you're a jerk. Yep. It's just that simple. <laughs> so the Eagles clinched the NFC East and uh, because the Seahawks lost, to the 49ers. That game, that game sounded crazy, by the way. I didn't see it. I was driving home from MetLife Stadium, and I was listening to it on the radio. But that game sounded bonkers. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, so did you, you didn't see the final play? I did see the final play, yeah. I went back and watched it because they were going crazy about it on the radio. I was listening to the, uh, to the not uh, on Sirius. I was listening to the uh, Niners call. Mm. It's crazy how like how homerific. I mean, the Eagles are too, obviously. <laughs> Merrill's openly rooting for the team, but it's crazy yeah. how you know each of the uh, hometown radio guys are uh, are so just clearly rooting for the for the home team, and they were like really mad that that was even getting reviewed. The uh, <laughs> the, the play that was close to the goal line, and then like you know every time they showed, every time they saw a different view of it, they're like. He's she's short. It's not even close. What are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> but that whole drive seemed crazy, and they were like, and they were like making fun of them when uh, they took the delay game call. They're like, man, what are they doing? That was terrible. It's Pete Carroll for the Pete Carroll on the goal line. Just those those two things don't mix. This is a weak point. But yeah, Seahawks lose, so they now have to travel to Philadelphia. It's not on a short week. They have to come to Philly. A lot was made last time, but then having to play a one o'clock game. You know, mm-hmm. traveling west coast to the east coast. They don't have to do that this time. Of course, the game's at 4.40, is it? Yes. So that's an oddball time. But, yep, Eagles are in the playoffs once again, and they're playing a familiar foe in the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks have owned them since Russell Wilson. 3-0 against this specific regime yeah. with uh, Doug and Carson. But, yes, the Eagles take care of the Giants. I think most notably, just the crazy number of players that went out in that game. They still got it done. And relatively comfortably, too. No Lane Johnson. No Brandon Brooks. He leaves the game early. Shoulder injury and is now out for the season. No Ertz. Uh, Greg Ward got banged up early on. He came back in. But, like, that that was insane. It was, like, at one point, they're down to, like, Robert Davis, Deontay Burnett. They, and, yeah, they like, lose Miles Sanders in the game. And an unhealthy uh, J.J. Arthur Whiteside. Um, yeah, and Miles Sanders gets banged up, and he was looking pretty awesome before he got hurt. By the way, like he looked like he was gonna—I thought he was gonna have like a monster game. Yeah, like, he was looking. Was like, like, oh wow, awesome he's gonna be—he's gonna be rookie of the year. <laughs> he could have at least gone for a hundred. He had like over fifty. Jordan Howard played one snap. Jordan Howard clearly was not yeah. fully ready. Yeah, they, they weren't gonna play him. And and you know after after Sanders went out, you have a a five six running back <laughs> playing every snap. 
So that goes to show you that Jordan Howard just clearly was not ready to go. And then uh, defensively, you know, you lose, well, you enter the game without Jalen Mills, who was questionable on the injury report. It seemed like there was a chance he might play. And then obviously he didn't at all. Uh, so you, the Eagles start, they started Rizul Douglas on the outside. They started Avante Maddox on the outside. And then they have Cravon in the slot and Maddox gets hurt. That forces Sidney Jones back into the lineup. Yeah. And what else? Def- I, well, I mean, just the other, other, other guys that, you know, just are already gone for the year on IR. Like yeah. Camus, Malik Jackson, Joe Osman, of course. Joe, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but just offensively, you know, they're without running back one, RB2, RB3, RB4. They're without wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, tight end one, right guard, right tackle. How many? How many of them do you think have made at least one Pro Bowl? Is it five? It's more. Seven. It's seven. Jeez. I mean, not that not Pro Bowl is terrible, terrible way to measure, you know, how good mm-hmm. a player is, but and certainly it's not indicative of the player they are now if they made a Pro Bowl a long time ago. But Jordan Howard, Darren Sproles, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, Lane Johnson, and Brandon Brooks have all made a Pro Bowl. They were all out of that game at the end of that game. And they're still it's winning crazy. games. It's <laughs> crazy. And you know why? You know why? Why? Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. Oh, wow. <laughs> Turns out those guys are uh, kind of good. Not huh? bad. Yeah, they're not bad. I, I, Jimmy, I think that's the biggest thing from this season. Like, the biggest takeaway overall from this entire season. No matter what happens moving forward. You know, there was doubt. I think, and rightfully so, after the Eagles lost at the Miami game, that like, is Carson Wentz, is this really the right core here? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it was It was like, you, you definitely have to fire those guys. Those guys should be gone. Like, that was never my argument. I And our, really, I think anyone's. I think the case was that they need to make a lot of changes under those guys and then see how things go from there. But there was a question. To me, and I said on the post-game podcast with Michael Kiss, like, there's no question. Like, they eliminated all doubt, like, that those are the guys. Yeah. They're the right guys. They're the cornerstones of this franchise. And, like, Doug, especially, like, it happened, it's like three years in a row now, where, like, the the new norm for this team is that no matter how bad it gets, like, they're going to find a way to fight back. Like, they're, they're just, they're not going to give up. They're not going to fold. For and that's, I guess, that's really like instructive moving forward if things continue to get bad. And it's frustrating that I feel like the team gets there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's frustrating that the team has to get to this point where they're not playing great because they don't handle they don't handle being the favorites well. Like, they, they clearly just haven't done that super well. I mean, 2017, sort of, because they went on a tear that year. But going into this season, they weren't really expected to be great. But like, anytime. You know, in 2018 or 2019, where there's like Super Bowl expectations, you know, the team didn't get off to a good start and they only started to come back when people didn't believe in them. So it'd be nice moving forward if they could kind of be a little bit better when they actually are favored and are expected to win in these situations. But uh, the fact that they've been able to come this far uh, says a lot about Doug and a lot about Carson Wentz, who and then not only like feeling good about those guys in the long term, but feeling good about this team going into the playoffs, I feel like, because if you have the quarterback and you have the coach, like you have a chance. Certainly a resilient group, as you mentioned. So we do have some new injuries. Uh, Brandon Brooks, as we already mentioned. Deshaun Hall. That sucks, man. Ah, poor one out. <laughs> you know? Come on. Pat Shermer calling timeouts Pat at the Shermer. end of that game. What a dick. <laughs> just probably trying to prolong his head coaching career calling timeouts mm-hmm. poor Deshaun Hall tears his ACL he's not going to make the team next year like he's got to rehab he's got to rehab that off season he's like he's got no chance to make the team let's mm-hmm. say like, well I guess they'll they'll put him on pup I was going to say maybe they can put him on pup and then he'll be on pup until what week 8 uh, week 7 yeah sorry right 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 yeah 6 weeks but also pretty bad for Brandon Brooks too considering 
you know, he goes through the entire offseason right. last yeah, year. Yeah, he's got to rehab Achilles. again, the whole thing. Crazy. Yeah, that seems pretty frustrating for him. And and the, the play that happened on him was such garbage, too. Like, how does that even happen? And, wh- like, why were the Giants going – were they, like, trying to hurt him? I don't know. Because they were, like, going all out to block this extra point. Uh, it was, like, so bizarre. Like, who gets hurt on an extra point protection? And this helmet like, flew off? To... I, I thought it was going to be, like, concussion-related or, you know, like, poked in the eye or something like that. I'm going to say that's the only play this year where a player has gotten hurt on extra point. Or at least, like, one of five, maybe. Eagles signed some guys. They brought back – Old friend, Shelton Gibson. Yeah. Woo! Bringing back all these former Eagles. I don't love that part of it, for sure. <laughs> he, may, he actually makes sense in this case. But but I think he makes sense because he's probably just going to play on special teams, to be honest. Um, especially with you losing Hall, that kind of hurts um, special teams because he was playing on there. Gibson has, you know, speed in theory. Like the coaching staff clearly doesn't trust him, and I'm not expecting him to even play, to be honest. Because, again, the coaching staff has shown time and time again that they're not even going to trust him to put him out there on the field. I mean, for as bad as like the receiver situation has been this year, and it has been worse than last year, it was pretty bad last year, and he still couldn't get on the field. He had the one reception for, what, like 48 yards against the Vikings? His three, his three career catches. He was great in the, the preseason last year, 2018. <laughs> like, he yeah. showed that he can legitimately, like, get open down the field, which is more than you can say for literally, like, any of these players on the Eagles roster other than maybe, like, Miles Sanders. Well, the, a point was also made of by, by a friend of the pod, Denise, who's the uh, tiebreaker guru. Yeah, he made I know the, you're He about. made the point that Craig James... Uh, is a gunner. That's true. And he went down during the game against the Giants. So Good point. Kirk James has been good, by the way. He's tied with Duke Riley in special teams tackles for the lead. Is on he? The team. Okay. Yeah. And you know who actually looked pretty good on special teams on Sunday? Old Sidney. Sidney Jones. Oh, yeah. That's right. He had the, uh, he, he down the punt. And he had a couple tackles, too. Mm. He's really kind of helped his brand during the last uh, half of the season. And they also bring back, uh, not bring back, but they also sign Elijah Holyfield, Georgia running back who went undrafted. I actually thought he, so I profiled him during the uh, season. I thought he was, uh, you know, he'd be like a solid day three pick. And that was before he ran his 40 at the combine. Mm-hmm. Locker room access is happening right around now as we are recording this uh, a little bit after 2.30 right now on Wednesday. I was, I left early, but my whole the only reason I wanted to get into the locker room and introduce players today was to ask him if he was hurt <laughs> or, or something or whatever that made him uh, run a four seven eight forty. Mm. So he runs the four seven eight forty and uh, does not get drafted. Uh, signs with the Carolina Panthers. The Eagles pick him up. He's 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 on their active roster now. So mm-hmm. that that is a pickup that I actually like. Quite a bit. I don't think he, you know, you watch him run at Georgia, and there's no way, I mean, he's not fast, he's not like a blazer, but there's no way you could watch him running and go, okay, he's about the same speed as Derek Barnett. Solak had Holyfield as his running back number two. Really? At one point. Before the uh, the testing, like wow. just on tape alone, okay. he thought on tape alone before like he knew the testing or anything. He just thought he was like he loved him. Wow. Okay. But then again, Ben might not know anything. So sorry, Ben. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, of uh, course he does. But uh, I mean, I I liked him too. How do you think he fits in? I don't know. I mean, he's he's like a hard runner. The thing that stood out to me really on him was he takes these little short choppy steps. You know that that and he's he's good with with his vision, and when a hole opens up, he's able to hit it and then. He kind of looks to dish it out when, uh, when at the end of his run, at the end of his runs. So the one thing that kind of goes against him as a prospect was I'm gonna say he had like seven 
career catches. It was seven. Over yep. the course of his college career. You know, he played with a lot of running back talent at Georgia. And he still had 1,000 yards in uh, in his final season there. So he, he is a legit player. I, I mean, obviously, he's active. So, like, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if he's uh, if he's active on game day, if he's not one of the inactives, which he probably will be, I would think, right? I guess. It seems like he's uh, Jordan Howard insurance, especially, you know, given that Howard only played one snap last week. Um, I don't I don't think adding him means, like, that's terrible news for Miles Sanders. I don't. That, that's not my read on it. At least, like I don't. I don't think it's like. All right. Well, Sanders can't play, so now we sign Holyfield, and everything's great. Like I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think it's a little interesting. They signed him over promoting D'Angelo Henderson from the practice squad yeah. in the dirty round. Um, but I think it's a good pickup. I think it's like a hedge on Howard, both short term and long term. You know, because Howard's going to be a free agent after this year, and you could conceivably see. Holyfield kind of fill that role if Howard does leave. I wonder if he had multiple offers. Well, the Panthers didn't offer him. The Panthers, because the Panthers could have just signed him to a future contract, and they they didn't. Anyway, speaking of front, fifteen office. minutes later, <laughs> speaking of front office moves, how much how much credit does Howie Roseman get for this four game winning streak with all these practice squad guys on offense and all these you know next guy up guys on defense? Uh, sort of powering the team through to the NFC's championship. How much you put on Howie? I don't think it's so simple, for sure. I don't think you just look at like if you're just if your take here is that well, look at Boston Scott. He's doing great. Howie knew to sign him and have him on the team. Howie did it again. Like it's all no. Like what are you talking about? Like Boston Scott could have been lost. Because the Eagles re-signed Darren Sproles in the offseason, and Scott was on the practice squad. Yeah, I know they could have poached him at any time. They could have poached him during final cuts. They could have claimed him on waivers. They could have signed him off the practice squad yeah. until I think like October, mid October is about when he came up. So yeah, and same thing with Greg Ward, who they cut, you know, earlier in the season. It wasn't even just the one time they brought him up. This was his second time up now that he's stuck around. So you look at those things, and then you look at like just a lot of different things in general, like the Alshon and Jeffrey. Contract being guaranteed for next year inexplicably, and the Gennard Avery trade. Oh, he played at least ten snaps on Sunday, Brandon. He did, he did, <laughs> and he he had his first. Uh, he he logged his first statistic. Okay, in okay. The past the past seven games, so big big <laughs> you know big win there. Um, yeah. So yeah, you look at those moves, and I don't want to say Howie has done a terrible job, and most critically, he's hit on the head coach. And the quarterback, now, you know, the caveat there is they wanted to hire Ben McAdoo. So even <laughs> right. you, we're looking at how they kind of stumbled into like Greg Ward and Boston Scott in some ways, or they also kind of stumbled into Doug in some ways. But I mean, they ultimately did identify him still. Yeah. You know, they could have mm-hmm. they could have went for uh, McAdoo and then missed him and then like hired Tom Coughlin, you know, or something, yeah, like something yeah, even yeah. worse. They could have done worse. So I don't want to give him like zero credit for it, but... I think to say like he deserves all the credit and he's like the mastermind behind all of this kind of just isn't accurate. And I also think like like you've been talking about and you've stressing like this was a bad division they won still. Yeah. This isn't like they got the one seed. Like they've underachieved in the scope of what I think they realistically could have done if Howie managed the roster better. Like they could have been in position to get a, a top two seed, a first round bye, or at the very least – Maybe how about like be in a position where you don't need to play in week 17 to clinch the division and you could have rested your starters and then you don't lose Brandon Brooks and then Miles Sanders doesn't get hurt. You know, like I mean, credit to them. They won the division. I don't think Howie is a bad GM. I don't think that's the case. Like, I I think 
when you look at his track record and you take out the Super Bowl year, which is a hard thing to do because he, he hit on every move there and he deserves credit for that. But I'm saying when you look at that as kind of the aberration, like the rest is just kind of mediocre. It's not amazing. I think it's probably above average overall. Um, but I don't think, you know, he's this, I don't think he's the amazing guy that we saw in 2017. I just don't think that's who he, he is as the baseline. And, and that would be hard to be, to, to be fair to him. Like, I don't think you, like they hit on every personnel move. It's not realistic to expect that every year, but I think draft picks and cap space and everything, like, I, I don't think Howie has done an amazing job. I think if I degrade him for this season, I think I'm looking at like, the C plus. Yeah, that's fair. I'd I'd be I'd probably even go a little lower than that. I'd probably either you yep. know, give him a C or a C minus. For me, I'm put. You know, again, like it's, like I said at the top of the show. For me, it's all Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. They're making those two guys are making this happen with these, yes with these players that they're forced to put on the field. And really, it's just that simple for me. Yep. All right. So we have before we go to break, uh, let's take a quick look at the NFC East and uh, the three other teams and their head coaching and GM situations. Let's start with Washington because they're the ones who actually hired a new coach in Ron Rivera. And Jimmy, I think this is a good hire for Washington. I think so too. Realistically speaking in terms of what they could attract to Washington, it's probably the best thing they could do (laughs) really. I was surprised that he would even consider going there. With it said, like, Dan Snyder is still there, so I don't really think this changes a ton in the long term for them. Like, I have my doubts that he's really going to, you know, be like they're going to be this championship contender all of a sudden and Ron Rivera is going to turn them around. I think he makes them more respectable and harder to beat sure. moving forward than, you know, the Eagles are 6 and 0 in their last six games against Washington. I don't think they're going to have such an easy time moving forward with him there. The bigger news there is that they fired Bruce Allen finally. Yeah. And I don't know how he lasted this long, but he did and they finally got rid of him. And it looked like at one point they might get rid of him just as a GM, but he'd stay in the building in some capacity. And in my mm-hmm. mind, I was like, well, that doesn't do anything. <laughs> like he's, yeah. he's just going to undermine whoever the new GM is. And he's going to eventually wind up back in charge. But, like he did with uh, uh, right, McClellan. With McCu- yeah, McClellan, yeah. They got rid of him completely. So finally, they really got something right. So looking forward, you know, looking forward to with that franchise. Bruce Allen out, Ron Rivera in. The one thing that would concern me if I was a fan of that team is the one thing that I read was that whoever they do bring in as the GM, Dan Snyder wants that person to be aligned in uh, belief that Dwayne Haskins is the answer for them and that franchise. Yeah. Not, this, this isn't really a statement on Dwayne Haskins in any way, but it just reiterates that that owner is too involved in the football decisions of the team. Like, let the just hire a competent GM and let them make all the decisions. Let them determine if Dwayne Haskins is good enough. Right, right. Stop pretending like you know anything. You don't know shit. Like, mm-hmm. Get out of the way. Get out of the way and let people do their job. Again, like you said, Dan Snyder is the owner, and as long as he's the owner, probably not going to go all that well there. And again, that's just an that's that's just a gla- that's a glaring example of what he does to that franchise. All right, so like next up in the uh, in the standings would be the Giants. Fired Pat Shermer, but they're keeping predictable... Gal- but they're keeping they're keeping Galvin around. <laughs> well, he's hired computer folks, so it's okay. Four of them, four computer folks. He's hired four computer folks. Oh, I still haven't, I still haven't watched that yet. I can't wait to watch that uh, that mm. press conference or read it or whatever. He's such a gem. Every time he talks, he's the best. <laughs> like he doesn't talk that much. But the number of quotes that he has are just incredible. 
for the for the limited number of times that he, he talks like you know no more than Howie. I don't think, but mm-hmm. the number of crazy quotes he puts out there are crazy. And then you know that is uh, that that's another big time keeper we, we hire for computer folks. It's great. I think. Dave Gettleman should be Eagles fans' favorite general manager in the NFL. <laughs> yes. But they did they did fire Pat Shermer. I can't believe that didn't work out, Jimmy. Who could have guessed? <laughs> Who could have guessed like the guy that we used to like watch at Eagles offensive coordinator press conferences when he was in Philly was like it was like watching paint dry. Yeah. Like, who could have guessed that guy wouldn't be like a great leader? Nine and nine and twenty-three in his two years in Cleveland. Benito. And then he was nine and twenty-three in New York. He's nine and twenty-three. Sounds about right. He should get that tattooed on his arm. But on the other hand, he is the all-time winningest coach in terms of uh, winning percentage. He's got a share of that, anyway, in Eagles history. Want to know. True. Want to know what the birds. And at a time where it costed the Eagles draft position and, and hurt them. <laughs> right, yeah. Actually right, them. right, yeah. They, they were better off losing that game. And then finally, the... Well, I want to say oh, sorry. one thing about the Giants is I think they're going to hire Matt Rule. I do think yes. they're going to do that. And I think that's bad news for the Eagles. I think it's a good hire, too, yes. I think if anyone can turn around like that team, and which is in desperate needing of a turnaround, I think it'll be him. Now, Gettleman being there, I think will, again, limit some of the like the turnaround that Matt Rule can do to some extent. Yeah. But I do think like he's, he's going to make them more competitive and better moving forward. I was talking to Jordan at the uh, Giants game. Jordan who? Jordan Renan, sorry. Listeners don't know Jimmy. BGN, Big time over BGN here. BGN alum, Jordan Renan. That is true. I, I've made the point like, well, I'm sorry, not not only Gettleman, but the uh, the defensive coordinator, James Fetcher, how, you know, they, they signed and drafted all these guys that sort of fit a 3-4 and they're, you know, if they draft, uh, or I'm sorry, if they hire, you know, defensive coordinator that wants to run a 4-3, I'm like, well, they drafted and signed all these guys and he goes, and Jordan goes, Jimmy. Who's good on this defense at all? Uh, all right, that's a good point. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The only good player they have maybe would be like Dexter Lawrence. Jabril Peppers is okay. Dalvin Tomlinson. Dalvin Tomlinson's okay. So those guys, those guys can can all, I guess, fit any scheme. I guess. Let's move on. Dallas, Dallas Cowboys. Jason Garrett, as of this recording time, is still the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys in 2020. Yeah, that's not. He's not going to be there long though. Agree. And they're not going to fire the GM. Um, I don't. Nope. I don't think anyway. Uh, nope. But I think Jerry Jones is going to stay. Who do you think lands that job? Uh, that's a really good question. That's I don't a, have a good feel for that that's one. It's a tough sell too. Like we thought Washington would be a tough sell. There are a lot of people that think that that's a great job, and I do understand that. You know, that's a team that's going to have more talent than the other teams that are looking for head coaches. So that's mm-hmm. a nice selling point. You got your quarterback. You got a really good running back. The offensive line is getting old, but you have three, at least three, you know, good offensive linemen. You have a few players on defense that are good, like Van Der Esch and Lawrence, and we'll see if Byron Jones signs that back there or not. Probably not. So you, you do have talent there, but you just have that owner that's just breathing down your neck all day. I mean, being a head coach, just generally speaking, is so hard. And then you add the element of like this crazy owner. Wanting to be the show and and uh, you know putting pressure on you publicly, it's that you got to factor that in. I think I figured out what they're going to do. Okay, I mean this has been thrown around. I'm not coming up with this originally, but I think the more I think about it here, you know, Jerry Jones is getting older, Jimmy. You know, I think the pressure is on to win as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So why does he want to hire 
you know, Lincoln Riley or whoever, some college guy who might right, they gotta get up to speed. Like, yeah, well, it takes a while for them to get up to speed in the NFL. Exactly. So why why is he going to waste his time potentially with that when he could send a draft pick to the Minnesota Vikings, who Ooh, I think are really? going to lose? Okay. Well, it's yeah, because because Zimmer used to be there in Dallas, and apparently sure. like they uh-huh. really like him. And I could just I could see that, and I I could see Zimmer working with that because he was obviously with the Cowboys before. And I don't know, I think I think that might uh, interesting. And then because then they could you know they could keep Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. And then you have Zimmer as your head coach. We will revisit that whenever they whenever they hire whoever they hire. That is interesting, and it also it would also explain why they're not doing it. Why they're seemingly not doing anything right exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah. So let's take a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll start to discuss. Eagles Seahawks rematch. Brandon? Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 100. Brandon Lee Gowton, Jimmy Kemsky here with you to preview an Eagles playoff game at the link. Eagles are playing the Seahawks, the same team they lost to by a score of 17 to 9 in week 12. Jimmy, there's some differences from that game. Mm-hmm. A lot of like things have changed since the last time. These two teams have played, even though like that doesn't feel that long ago. It was only a little bit over a month ago. It was late uh, it was week, November it was there. Week Twelve. Yeah, so it wasn't like that long ago, but it was enough long ago for there to be some pretty big differences. And to me, one of the biggest things that stands out, and I think you wanted to talk about, was the offensive line situation. Yes, the Eagles' offensive line situation. So heading into the into the yes. game last time, uh, Lane Johnson was out heading into that game. Andre Dillard kind of knew that he wasn't going to, like, it wasn't going to go well if he started a right tackle because of the footwork and he's just played left tackle his whole life. And he knew it wasn't going to go well, and yet they played him there anyway. And it didn't go well, and they ended up benching him, and they brought in uh, Big V. And At halftime. He played uh, right tackle the rest of the way. And they also lost Brandon Brooks early in that game. I think he only played, like, Right around 10 snaps in that game when he went out. And Matt yep. Pryor had to play. So it's really not all that different from what's going to happen this week, or what could happen this week. Brandon Brooks obviously out, as we've mentioned multiple times. And then we'll see if Lane Johnson can play or not. But it's interesting what the Eagles' strategy here is, depending on whether Lane can play or not. So if he can play, then he'll play. And then Big V will play right guard. If he can't play... And Big V will play right tackle, and Matt Pryor will play right guard. So I, Bo Wolf had asked Mike Crow you know, how that works in terms of um, you know where Big V gets reps throughout the week. And I think there are maybe you know if he's getting reps both at right guard and right tackle, and I guess they'll at some point they'll have a pretty good idea whether Lean will be able to go or not. But are you spreading them thin there? And then also like, what do you even have Matt Pryor for if he can't just get all the reps at right guard and Big V can? get all the reps at right tackle, and then if Lane can go, then just Pryor starts at right guard, and if he can't go, then Big V starts at right tackle. Are you really, like, that worried about Matt Pryor playing right guard? I just thought he played okay in that game. Yeah, same. And then also on Sunday after Brooks went out. Like, do you yep. really just not trust him that much where you're going to put Big V in a position where he doesn't know whether he's playing right guard or right tackle? And also, by the way, Big V is at his best what he knows going into a game that he's starting and he prepare for an opponent. So do you also have him like a preparing both for the Seattle defensive tackles and their defensive ends? And I, yeah. think he's just, I think you're just putting too much on his plate. I, I, I wonder about their strategy on that. 
Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think I would plan as if I would I would plan that Lane's playing because I think he's going to try to play. I would put Big V at right guard and practice this week and prepare him to play for that spot because I think that's what's going to happen. Right. It's a, it's a different story if they know he's going to play or if they feel really good about him playing. If that's the case, then all right, fine. Then if you really think Big V is you know, notably better than prior at right guard, then all right, fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're unsure if Lane's going to play, I don't, I really don't like what they're doing there. Mm. But that's just me. They, they know better than me, clearly. Do <laughs> they? I would, I would say Jeff Stalin has a, uh, has a better idea yeah, of what does. he's doing on the offensive line than I do. I think that's a good point. I think he, that's, that's someone in the organization for sure who deserves benefit of the doubt there. Yes. But I but still, Going to question it. Some of the other changes. The Eagles offense as a whole looks different. I mean, you know, coming into that Seahawks game and then really through that game, the offense was looking broken. Yeah. Really, you know, being shut down against the Patriots. Didn't even look good against the Bears when they beat the Bears. Like, the offense was in a major funk. The wide receiver and running back situations are pretty much entirely different. I mean, you had Jordan Matthews play, like, pretty much the entire game. He led all skill players, I believe, in snaps, or at least all receivers, against the Seahawks in Week 12. And then they cut him the next day. <laughs> he was he, – that's crazy. He, got, he had 73 snaps in that game. Yeah, like that's 97%. The, and then, and he, then even looking at the rest of the receivers there. I mean, Aguilar didn't play in that game. He'll be out again this week. But Before you go further, uh, at that time – Matthews had, so when they cut him, he had four catches for 33 yards on 12 <laughs> targets in his time with the team this year. So, yeah, Great signing. when they when they cut him, yeah, that was the right move for sure. Uh, then you had Greg Ward in his first game. That was his first NFL game that he actually like played on offense. He was up earlier in the year, but on offense, this was his first real game that he played. And uh, he actually looked competent that day. He didn't look great or anything. Mm-hmm. I think he did like six for 40. But he actually looked like, okay, like you know, he's not a disaster out right, there. Right. Um, actually, no, he was third. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was second, 71%. And I don't – I guess he is, he's probably not even going to play much, right? Like, he didn't play much against the Giants. No, he was the fourth guy in. He was limited in practice all week letting, leading up to the Giants game. They didn't list him with a status. Um, like, he wasn't uh, questionable or anything. But it seems like he's clearly not healthy. And then even, like, signing Gibson, I kind of think that helps point towards that too. Like, I don't think they're going to be counting a lot on J.J. It's going to be <laughs> – it's crazy to think that this is the state the Eagles – are in, but they're wide receivers for a playoff game this year. Like if you, if, if we went back in time, Jimmy, and I was like, all right, the Eagles are going to play a game in the playoffs this year, the first game, and their wide receivers are going to be Greg Ward, Deontay Burnett, uh, Robert Davis, and Shelton Gibson. Like what? what <laughs> like <laughs> how, how could you even like comprehend that? Like there's no way you would believe that. Right, it's insane. Right. And then and then even a tight end with Zach Ertz, maybe he's still out too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Then your your top two your your top three tight ends are right, like, Dallas Goddard and, and uh, Josh Perkins and Richard Rogers and and Dick Rod. Yeah. And then uh, and the running backs. Uh, <laughs> you Rod. know, we'll see what ha- happens with Miles Sanders. You, you think Sanders is going to play? Right. It seems like he's I do play. think Sanders is going to play. Yes. It Doug does, said it, good it, news. Yeah, it does seem like he's going to play. Sanders himself posted on Instagram like his rookie year isn't over yet. Like he he posted that. Uh, so it just seemed. And then I like I think uh, NFL Network reported that like. Things are trending in the right way. So it seems like signs are pointing to Sanders playing. He didn't practice seemingly on Wednesday here as we're recording. Well, yeah, we, we didn't, uh, we, yeah, we, uh, we are recording this before the official Wednesday injury report comes out. So we don't know. It sounds, we don't know what it'll say if he's like limited or whatever. It, it seems to me like they're being cautious with him. Like that's what Doug kind of said. I would too, imagine they'll do that, yes. You know, and then just him being better. We'll see how much the injury impacts him. But just like Sanders has improved a lot since that Week 12 game. Like he's been awesome down the stretch. 
So I think that's a big difference. So there are a lot of differences, I think, in this game when you just when you look at the map. And then on the Seahawks, Seahawks side, side, real quick, they they have Clowney this time around. They didn't have him last time. Do you know how many sacks Davian Clowney has this year, Jimmy? I know it's not that many. It's not that many. Uh, four and a half. It is lower. Than really, four. less than four and a half, huh? Three and a half. It's three. It's three. It's three. Wow. Okay. He's played in thirteen games. It's one more than Hassan Ridgeway. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and for Derek Barnett, Barnett has it six is. and a half, right? Yes, and then BG Derek Barnett has more than twice as good. Yes, Barnett had a good game on Sunday. Not o- not only had two sacks, but there were other times where I mean, he put a couple spin moves on Nate Solder, and not that Nate Solder was good, but he just left him in the dust a couple times, and either the ball came out or uh, Daniel Jones had moved in the pocket or whatever. But he looked he looked very good. I thought I thought that was one of his best games this year. Do you think Boston Scott can put a spin move on Nate Soldier? That was the best spin move I've ever seen. In my life. <laughs> Did you see the thing with Deuce on the uh, sideline after the game? Not after no, the game, I didn't. but uh, after that play when they're back. No. So the running backs are back on the bench. Deuce was making fun of him, saying it was that was, sort of, <laughs> it was the slowest spin move he's ever seen. And he was like, you know, the, in the middle of the spin, he said, like in the middle of the spin move, they could have gone to a, a commercial break and come back, and he was you know, he was still spinning. <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think the spin was that slow. Really, I thought the funny thing about the spin was that there was nowhere, there was nobody even near him. Like it was like he, yeah. hit, it was like he hit the B button by accident. Like if you're playing yes. Madden, <laughs> if you ever play flag football, I swear, like just spin. It's so hard to, to yeah, it's hard to grab the flag. It's like it seems so like basic, mm-hmm. and it, it it's harder than I think you would think it would be. I guess is when you're trying to get someone who's spinning. Did you play? Have you played flag football? Oh yeah, of course. I played a little bit in college. And uh, I would I would get flagged all the time for mm-hmm. flag guarding. That's so unsurprising. <laughs> People would try to grab the flag and smack their hand away. And I got flagged for it repeatedly. I'd have been like people like if they were like fan if they were like if like Eagles fans or like fans of my flag football team, mm-hmm. I, like people would just be shitting all over me on Twitter during games. He did it again. Mm. He's he, he flag <laughs> you're, you're the again. He did it again. You're the Jason Peters of <laughs> right. uh, flag football. Yes, I got. I need a quarterback when I play flag football who actually like believes in me. Because I think a lot of people just people don't throw high enough to me. Yeah, like, uh-huh. it's like like I'm I'm six foot nine. Like just literally just throw it up and I'm gonna get the ball. Yeah. like it's not. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you're like neither here nor there. You're like that doesn't surprise me at all. Flag it doesn't. I can see you doing that. <laughs> the one thing I wanted to say, I guess the last thing about, I wanted to get into the defensive line because you mentioned Derek Barnett and you obviously wrote a piece here on Timmy Jernigan. I wanted to get into that. Yes. Um, kind of go into the Seahawks offensive line. Oh, trans- yes. They're in trouble there. That. Um, they're, they're missing Dwayne Brown. They're starting left tackle. Yep. Well, probably. There's a chance he might play. That might just be smoke. Yeah, I saw that. I was looking through that and they said like he's probably, he, like I think Peril, or Pete Carroll, I said Peril. Pete Carroll. Uh, was like pretty. Uh, if he plays, he's not going to be anywhere near. He just had his knee drained. He had surgery. Like, yeah, I don't like think he, two weeks I don't think ago. He's playing. Not even two weeks ago. And they're still missing starting center Justin Britt, right? So they're he's done for the year with an ACL. So the guy filling in for him, I think I mentioned this during the last the last time they played the Seahawks. I definitely Joey mentioned Hunt. in my article, but I don't know. If, I remember if I mentioned in the podcast or not. But he's six two. He's two ninety nine. Thirty and a quarter inch. T-Rex arms. Yeah. I guess uh, for an offensive tackle, you know, like ideal is anything around like 34 and up. Like Tyron Smith, for example, has his arms, are, I believe, are, you know, longer than 36 inches. 
uh, for you know an interior guy, you don't really have to have arms that long. If you're around like 33, then that's okay. Uh, but if you're like 30 inches, I don't like. I don't know if they're. He's got to have the smallest arms in the league for an offensive lineman. Has to. I I haven't seen anyone with 30 and a quarter inch arms. So for him to you know be going up against and his name is Joey Hunt here. That's just who you're talking about. <laughs> yes, Joey Hunt. Yeah. You have Fletcher Cox going up against him at times, and then... He killed him last game. That's a guy that they really just have to take advantage of. So you talked about Jernigan. You wrote a piece on Philly Voice about how he had a really good game. And it's interesting to me because, like, I, I was telling you about, like, how he only had, like, what? He, he only had one sack all year previously. Yes, yes. Um, And, like, basically... Like, Seven tackles. <laughs> yeah, like, he... And he's played a lot of snaps, too. Uh-huh. I know he missed some games, but, like, still, he's been playing a decent amount. A little I guess bit under 300 snaps on the year. He did have that, what, like, the broken foot it was. So, I guess maybe, you know, he was kind of not 100% mm-hmm. uh, coming back. And I think the back maybe, is still maybe a little bit of an issue, or at least was at times this year. Right. So, so that's the other thing. Like, I don't even know how much it means that he played great against the Giants, because I feel like he could just kind of be a no-show again. But if this is a sign that he's on the rise, as Jim Schwartz said he is, like, that would be huge. Um, they've been really failing to get good production out of like anyone next to Fletcher Cox for basically two years now. Yeah, uh, it would be huge if he could step up. And then just looking at how the Eagles actually had success against Russell Wilson last time, and they did. Like they they held Russell Wilson to his worst game ever. They sacked him them. six times. Sacked him six times. Picked him off once. He he made a pass rating of seventy five point four. Like that's pretty good for for a guy who typically just basically does whatever he wants against the Eagles defense. That was his first interception, by the way, uh, against the Eagles. Oh, ever. okay, like, yeah. I think it was first turnover period. Like, he had never turned the ball over against the Eagles in any game he had played them. So so that was a big deal, like, that they could actually kind of make him look mortal. And I think kind of – that's one of the things I think that bodes well heading into this game is that um, they obviously didn't prove they could beat him, but they, they showed that, like, okay, like they can kind of – they can do something to limit his damage. So what about flipping it to the other side of the ball, Jimmy? Can the Seahawks or can the Eagles offense, which by the way is in a stretch where they have 400 plus yards in their last four games, yep. and it's like the third or I think it's tied for the third longest streak in franchise history, which is I can't get over how insane that is. Yes. Again, you're playing with practice squad players, like it's 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 nuts. Like it's wild that this is happening. Can the Eagles offense keep it up, though, against a Seahawks defense that is at least, you know, more or just, you know, it's I know like by DVA and everything like the Seahawks defense isn't great by Mm -hmm. any means. It's it's hardly the Legion of Boom. Like it's it's not anything like that. But, you know, it's probably better than what they faced against some of these. Like, uh, what is it here? The Seahawks are 18th in DVA. So it's not a terrible defense like, you know, you're looking at Dallas or, you know, the Giants or Washington, not as good defenses. Um, what can the Eagles do offensively in this game? So the the weaknesses on their defense, uh, in my opinion, are uh, Trey, Trey Flowers, cornerback. Obviously, the strength of that defense is their linebackers, Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright. Michael Kendricks is done for the year, right? He had 13 official? tackles in the first game. Did you see that? No. I, yeah, I, I know he was good, but he's definitely – that was a torn ACL. Yeah, ACL. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Clowney has not been productive uh, or as productive as maybe they would hope. I think he's played better than what his sack numbers would indicate. And he's a really good run defender. And he's a good run. And uh, Ziggy Yansa has not really been very good for them. I don't know what his numbers are, but my if I recall, like the last time they played him, I was pretty unimpressed with what I saw out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but Trey Flowers is kind of the guy that I think they – 
would attack if they had, you know, competent receivers. But, you know, they are putting a lot of... I mean, Carson Wentz has a, a 1,199 passing yards over those last four games, which if he had one more yard, he'd, he'd average exactly 300 yards in those games. And, you know, part of it is... Uh, you know, they played the Giants twice, and they played Washington, and they played, you know, Cowboys defense that uh, wasn't playing well leading up to that game. Um, so, you know, that's part of it. But I'm, I don't mean to diminish what they've done at all because it has been, you know, very, very impressive the way they've been able to generate offense. And I think they'll be able to do it against this defense because why not? Uh, you know, every, every other team um, has, has had success against this defense. <laughs> So why not? I mean, did, did you look up what their DVOA is heading into this week? Who Seahawks? Yeah, do you have yeah, that? Yeah, so they're they're eighteenth, but okay, they're sorry. they're fifteenth against the pass and they're twenty sixth against the run. Okay. And actually, if you look at opponent yards per rush attempt, the Seahawks rank twenty ninth or sorry twenty eighth, mm-hmm. tied for twenty eighth. Okay, so they do not have a good run defense. Right, and if Sanders is you know if he's healthy, if he's you know if he's somehow back to one hundred percent in this game, it's another game where he could have a big game. Like he played. They actually played a lot of snaps week 12, but he wasn't where he is now. I mean, we talk about it was only a month and a half ago, but I feel like in terms of Miles Sanders' timeline, he's way further along now than he was then. Would you say he was like a mile behind where he is yes, right now? Yes, I would say he's a mile, yes. I would also say, though, to your point, I agree, but also I think the Eagles' offense is in such a different place in terms of, like, the surrounding. Like, I think part of the reason he didn't have an awesome game that week is because, like, he was the only thing they were doing on offense for a while. Like, he was the only good thing they had going for him. I think teams were more specifically able to end trying to take him out of the game because no one else could beat them. But I now, now I think that you have, like, Greg Ward being more respectable and Carson Wentz playing better. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you can just key in on him yes. quite as much as they, they could before. Agreed. What do you make, Jimmy, of this thing that I pulled up here? I thought this was a little interesting. Maybe it's meaningless. Um, oh, playing twice? Uh, Doug Peterson's record against teams that the Eagles have played twice in one season since he was hired back in 2016. So they're 7-6 and six in the first game. And obviously a lot of these are division games. Mm-hmm. The only one yeah. that wasn't was the Saints game. But they're... They're 9-4 and four in the second game, um, so they're slightly better. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at Pete Carroll's record uh, in the same situations, you know, the, the teams the Seahawks have played twice in one season, dating back to the same time frame, 2016. And the Seahawks are really good in the first game. They're 11-12, or sorry, 11-2-1. And, and the second game, they're only 4-10, and 10, and they're included in that 4-10 and 10 is they're 0-2 in the playoffs. So the last two teams they've played in the playoffs – They've originally played in the, uh, the in the regular season. Uh, they lost to both of those teams. So, I don't know. It's interesting. What made like you think to look that up? Um, I don't remember, honestly. <laughs> I, I just got in my head. I was like, I wonder. I honestly don't remember. Something did, but I, I can't remember what. What do you make of the, uh, the playoff neophyte angle? Yeah. Of all the active quarterbacks in the NFL, mm-hmm. their first playoff start they have a combined record of 10 and 22. Mm-hmm. And some of those wins are, you know, it was, you know, a, a playoff, a, a neophyte playoff quarterback playing another neophyte playoff quarterback. Like, for example, Russell Wilson, he won his first playoff start ever, which was against RG3, which, same thing. So they're actually even beneficiaries. <laughs> like some, of the, some of the guys that won were beneficiaries of another, you know, first time starting uh, playoff quarterback. Do you think that applies? To Mr. Carson Wentz being in his fourth year and sort of knowing what we know about him and his mentality and 
sort of the run that they're on of, of late? Or do you, do, you, do you think that applies to him, or do you think that he's above it? I was thinking about that. I, I So my thought was, one thought like against it is that I think a lot of those numbers are probably coming from like younger quarterbacks in mm-hmm. terms of like first year, second year guys. Maybe and making the play and maybe making the playoffs for like the first time in their franchise in a while. Like they, they, right. they got drafted and like the team got a little bit better and then they make the playoffs, but the team isn't yes. really like on par with a lot of the other teams that are also making the playoffs. Yeah, because I I I would think that the rest of the team that Carson Wentz is playing with has more ex- playoff experience than those other teams, you know, with that quarterback, like kind of speaking to what you're saying there. So I think that's a factor to consider. Also, Carson Wentz is, I think just more, you know, he's, he's older too, for a quarterback Mm -hmm. too. Like he's 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 27. Yeah. He just turned 27. Happy belated birthday, Carson Wentz. Yeah. So like, I don't put everything into it. I don't think it's nothing, but I don't think it's like, Oh, well he can't win because you know, he's a new quarterback in the playoffs and these have been like playoff games, you know, like in terms of the pressure. So like, like they've been win or go home a lot of these games. So, like, is your argument that you know if you're if you're buying into the stat, is your argument that like you know he he can't these quarterbacks in general can't live up to the pressure like the pressure is too much? I think we've seen time and time again not only over the course of the stretch itself and like in the context of each game being a pressure situation as a a whole thing, but then within the games themselves, you know, like the game winning touchdown drives that he's had, that he's responded to pressure well. So like, I don't think the moment's too big for him. I don't think he's uh, the Lions quarterback that I, I don't think he's Jeff Driscoll over here. I don't think the moment's too (laughs) big for him. Right, right, right. Some of the winners are kind of interesting. Like Blake Bortles won his first playoff game. Hmm. Case Keenum, Marcus Hmm. Mariota. Matt Schaub. So that's the thing, though. Like, how can that stat mean everything? And you just read those names off. Uh, well, yeah, it goes to your point. Like, Bortles had a great team around them. They had great, like, the, their, their roster was really good. Like, their defense was awesome. Same thing with Keenum, with the Vikings. Like, their their roster was really good that year. But some of the losers here, like, there's some obscure names here, too. Like, A.J. McCarron, Matt Moore. Wow. Tyrod Taylor. Brian Hoyer. Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, but, yeah, 10 and 22. So... I agree, I'm with you on the point where the Eagles are a playoff experience team, and I believe Wentz has a good head on his shoulders. He's not going to be, you know, the moment isn't going to be too big for him. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to like choke under pressure. I don't think. But ten twenty two. Yeah, it's not you know, nothing. It's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like a nothing point. Yeah. I just don't think it means everything. Right. I don't think it's like it's prohib it's prohibitive in any way. I think that making the playoffs is huge, though, just so we can get us what win or lose. So you just make it, you can get that one playoff game under his belt. I agree with that. You got anything else for uh, Eagles Seahawks, or should we uh, take a break and then come back with our picks? The last thing I'll say is I think when you're looking at some of the back at some of the things that could be different this time, I mean the Eagles probably aren't going to turn the ball over five times in this game. Right. Yeah. That's that's one thing that that we failed to mention at this point. Yeah, they they did turn it now, over five times. On the flip side, you could point to those plays you pointed to on Twitter where the Seahawks missed a bunch of opportunities, yes. like. DK Metcalf drops a touchdown. Russell Wilson basically can run into the end zone. Inexplicably throws that ball way over his head. (laughs) Yeah, so the Seahawks left points on the field in that game. But I think that kind of evens out, I guess, is what I would say. With the the Eagles, like, fumbling, you know, and turning the ball over so much. Like, that seemed out of character. Like, I don't think they're – I don't think the Seahawks deserve credit for all of those mistakes. Like, some of those were the Eagles just being, like, like they're just shooting themselves in the foot and probably won't be that bad. Unforced uh, errors, yes. Yeah. So we can take a break here. Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 100, or final segment of this Eagles versus Seahawks. 
preview show wild card. Before we get to that game, Jimmy, we are going to look at some points against the spread picks presented to us by DraftKings Sportsbook. Start with the Buffalo Bills at the Houston Texans. The Texans are two and a half point favorites. Who you got? I'd love to see the Bills win this game just so they end their playoff win drought. I'm sorry, it's the Bengals, then the Lions, then the Bills. The Bengals haven't won a playoff game in 29 years. Jeez. <laughs> 29 years. It's crazy. Lions haven't won a playoff game in 28 years, and the Bills haven't won a playoff game in 24 years. I would like to see the Bills break. I, I kind of enjoyed going there this year, by the way. The vibe yeah. of that area was was pretty cool. I mean, I'll, granted, it was still October, so it wasn't, uh, I think it was October. It, I mean, it wasn't like bitter cold like it is there Yeah, now. it was like late October. So, uh, you know, maybe my opinion's different if I if I went there in December. But I kind of, you know, the people there were cool. Just, uh, nice vibe to it. So I hope they win. I like their fans. But I think that Deshaun Watson at home is just too good. I'm going to ring the bell, Jimmy. Drop a sound effect in there, Michael Kiss. Please, thank you. Um, I think this Texans team is a fraudulent team. And I believe that dating back to last year, okay. when they were like barely winning these games and it was, they were winning on like missed field goals and everything was close. And they're like, I think they're that same team. Now, the Deshaun Watson factor kind of, this is the, that's like the only thing that makes me hesitant because he can kind of like help them overcome their fraudulence. He is not fraudulent, um, to be clear. Yes. But I think the rest of the team, like really is, especially you mentioned, we mentioned Bill O'Brien earlier. I mean, they're 15th in point differential. They're 19th in DVOA. Like this is not a good team. Mm-hmm. Their ceiling is one playoff win. Like that's the ceiling for this Texans team. Played in a pretty bad Bills, division too. They played in a bad division. Uh, I know the Bills have the easiest strength of schedule in the league, so they're not like a juggernaut, but I don't know. They have like some moxie. I like them. They went down to Dallas. They beat the Cowboys in Texas. So why can't they beat the Texans, who I think are probably worse than the Cowboys? I will take the Bills with two and a half points. Where would you rank the Bills-Cowboys game in terms of, even if you're including Eagles games in that too, in terms of uh, just from like, I guess like an Eagles fan perspective, where would you rank that game this year? Hmm. I don't think it's number one, but I guess it's like Eagles-Cowboys would of course be one if you're an Eagles fan, right? Yeah. And then Eagles- I think Washington would be number two. Washington? Which one? The week one? Or, uh, or, or no, more week one. fifteen. Okay, I would say I guess maybe number three because that was a that was a whole that was a meltdown. <laughs> yeah, and on and on a national stage, you know, Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes. <On> Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, I, you know, we talked about this around Thanksgiving, but I was at a, uh, I was in Florida. I was at uh, my girlfriend's sister's house, and uh, I'm pretty sure she like wanted to leave. And normally, like I would be all about getting out of that kind of situation like let me get out of there and back to the hotel like but the but i wasn't leaving until that cowboys game was over so i was like no we can't go yet <laughs> <laughs> all right uh moving on so titans. Uh, so do you have do you have uh well okay so i guess the Texans are favored i'm gonna have the Texans yeah. winning and covering it's only two and a half but you have the yeah. Bills winning out right correct i do okay i do titans patriots Patriots five point home favorites after losing to the Miami Dolphins with At a home. first round bye. 
at home. They were 16 and a half point favorites in that game. They lost at home when they were playing for a bye. All they had to do was to beat the Dolphins, and they would get a first round bye. And now instead they're playing a wild card weekend. Did you see the call by uh, Kevin Harlan? I did. Uh, he's dude. a stud, dude. Like that, that was that was awesome. He he's also the guy that uh, he did the call of the. Uh, I don't I don't remember if the guy was naked or not. I don't think so. I think he was just running around the field. There's a fan on the field, and he was yeah. doing the play by play of the fan on the field, which was awesome. That was a radio call, but the call that he made, I guess he had the Chiefs game. The Chiefs had just scored. Yeah, they were like kicking an extra point. Yeah, they they put that game totally out of reach. So. You know, that, that game didn't really matter anymore in terms of the call. But he was watching the Patriots-Dolphins game when Fitzmagic uh, had the game-winning touchdown throw. And because he has that radio background, he called it like a radio game. Because he yeah. he's calling it for the for the Chiefs. Who did they play? Chiefs. Uh, Chargers. Chargers telecast. But he was calling it like a, like, like it was a radio call. And it was awesome. Like he broke character from like a TV call to a radio call, and he just sh- like he's so good. It's crazy. He's so far better than any of the other NFL play by play guys. It's not. It's not even close. His calls for Super Bowl Fifty Two, I think, are like the best. Oh, for the, for the like, Eagles. If you yes. want to go back, yep. yeah, they, they're they're awesome. Like, go back and listen to him. Uh, do you remember they were playing him in the stadium, like after? That like it would be like I guess during like maybe commercial break. Do you remember that? I, I do vaguely remember that. Yes. So I remember hearing them, and I was like, "These are better than." <laughs> well, I guess I wasn't getting the TV, but I'm like, "These are these are awesome." Yeah, like, I thought yeah, these were, yeah. Like they were just great. Um, uh, moving on. Well, hold to on, the hold game. on. The, the one part that I loved about that was I don't I don't know who is who is uh, who his color guy is in the booth, but there were, he goes. Uh, he's like, "What game are you calling here?" And he goes, "I'm calling both <laughs> games." <laughs> He has a great voice. I love his voice. Who you got? Who you got in this one? Uh, all right, I'll go. So I have, uh, I have the Titans winning this game. Hmm. I think that's a. I think that's become a popular pick. So I, oh, I don't has think it? It's I didn't know happen. that. That's not. That's, yeah, that's a lot of the spoiler alert. Uh, a lot of the BGN staff oh, picks okay. the week are taking the Titans to win. So I, I think people I think people. I feel like that's always when the Patriots are their most dangerous. So when everyone's like going to yeah. count them out, they lost to the Dolphins, and now. I do like the points, especially minus oh, five. I, I love think, the points, yes. Yeah, I think the Titans can make this a game. T- Tannehill is playing really well. Like he's playing really, really well. Yes. And they've only lost two games since he's become the starter. He's another and again, playoff neophyte quarterback, though. He is, but I think <laughs> Vrabel's good. And and again, he's not a he's not a young guy, though. You know, Tannehill's been around. He has experience in the league. So, I and I don't think I just don't think like the Patriots' offense is that great enough to like cover a minus five here. I like the Patriots to win I think you know I think it's kind of outsmarting ourselves here if we're gonna think that the, the Titans are really gonna march into New England like they for you know as much as the Patriots might have struggled this year like it's still tough as heck to win up in that stadium unless you're the Dolphins I guess so I will take Patriots to win but I'll take the Titans to cover Titans are they started this year four and five mm-hmm. down the stretch oh, okay I guess they had two losses at the end of the year here but they were uh, yeah. they were five and two down the stretch. They had the same record as the Eagles, nine and seven. But their two losses were to, well, you think the Texans are frauds, so maybe that's not a good example. But they lost to to the Saints as well, and then they went out and they uh, destroyed the Texans week seventeen with the Texans. They played well against the Saints not, though, didn't they? Yeah, I think it was close for a little while, and then yeah. and then the Saints kind of pulled away, and then they beat the Texans, who were not playing their starters. So you know mm-hmm. what? Now that I'm looking at it here. 
They have two losses to end the year and then a win over a team resting their starters. So, I don't know. I think they're okay, though. And mm-hmm. our uh, old friend, Teron Davenport, covering, yeah. covering the Titans. Former BGN Radio host himself. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it used to be on our network. Oh, okay. Before the relaunch. Yeah. Gotcha. Saints are eight-point home favorites against the Vikings, Jimmy. Let me, let me before you, you get into it, I mean... I know you're a big Kirk Cousins fan. I know you think he's a big game quarterback. Yeah, so right. you're taking the Vikings here, right? <laughs> I'm taking the Viking. I'm taking the uh, Saints by three scores. Wow. So minus what? Well, what's the biggest line you would take them at? Well, I so, so I never take when I make my picks. I never take lines of, like that are up around eight or over. Like the the, mm-hmm. the most I'll I'll do is like six and a half. I just hate big lines, and I don't like taking teams that are getting a lot of points either i don't like any line that has like a lot of points involved i don't know why i just yeah. don't um, well there's there's something fishy about it but i i do like the saints to just kind of put it on them because they're also gonna have that you know uh sort of manufactured chip on their shoulder mm-hmm. because they i mean they lost that crazy game on the stefan Diggs play two oh, years yeah. ago did they beat him in the playoffs last year too no, because they didn't make the playoffs. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what are you yeah, no, about? no, they didn't. But so they're going to look to avenge that loss in, yes. in this yeah. game. Yeah. If you, if you don't think like Sean Payton like is, you know, like, playing <laughs> that clip all week over and over, <laughs> right. yeah, like you're, you're naive. Right. So yeah, I like this. I, I just think the Saints are, I, I, they might be the best team in the NFL right now. I know a lot of people are saying Ravens. Wow. They're definitely the best team in the NFC. Agree. Definitely. So I like their them. offense is averaging 36.3 points in their last seven games. You know, it's weird. So like every year, it seems like Drew Brees kind of like hits his stride in like November. Mm-hmm. Like he's like lights out for, you know, that sort of stretch of the year. And this is kind of like his November because he missed, you know, what, like six games earlier in the year. True. So this is kind of like the time of year that he hits his stride. They're just going to pump them because the, uh, I, I mean, the Vikings just aren't that good, in my opinion. Like, a few weeks ago, I thought they were a lot better than they were. Mm-hmm. I'm just not saying it. Yeah, that was the team you wanted the Eagles to least be. Or you thought it was the worst matchup I did. for the Eagles. I, I still maybe think that. Well, with the Cousins thing, yeah, it's probably not. It's, but uh, still. Their strengths offensively. My, my logic then was their strengths offensively match up with the Eagles' big, yeah. biggest weaknesses defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the Saints are just going to handle this team. Cousins is 0-9 for 9 in Monday Night Football. I know this game is on Sunday, but still, like, you know, the point being... Yeah, prime time. Yeah, he's 0-2 in the playoffs. Like, why... How could you possibly, like, take him? Like, how could you possibly be like, yeah, this is going to be the game where he proves everyone wrong? I don't I don't know how you could do that. Like, I don't really know what motivates you to think that'll be the case. I think the Saints win here. Although, for the Eagles' sake, it'd be pretty awesome if the Vikings... And obviously, the Eagles did win, and then the Vikings won. Because they would keep alive, yeah. Well, you keep keep them alive for another possible home game, yeah. For the NFC Championship game, and they would go to San Fran and could reasonably beat that team. I mean, if they if they if they can beat the Saints, then they can reasonably beat San Fran. Exactly, yeah. And then, uh, but they're not. So Cousins only has one playoff start. I thought he had two. No, he played in the Seattle game after RG three tore his ACL. Oh right, and he was bad. He was three for ten. I mean, Mm. and he was. He was a rookie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, because RG three was a rookie too, and they drafted him in senior. Yeah. And they got they got sort of blown out by uh, 
Green Bay. Yeah. When they won the division in 2015. That oh, was, yeah. That, that game wasn't competitive. Yeah. He actually was 29 of 46 for 329. One touchdown, no interceptions. So his numbers actually look there was, good. There was garbage but, time in there. <laughs> oh, I he, remember that. He, there had, was. he had three fumbles in that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's probably what it was. Uh, so what, do you have that as a blowout or a close game? Yeah, I'm taking Saints minus eight. Okay. And finally, the Eagles opened as small favorites against the Seahawks, but that line has now swung the other way. The Seahawks are two-point favorites over the Eagles. I'll let you go first, Jimmy. I think the Eagles advance. Yeah. I think it's a close game. The Eagles look to... The big thing with the Seahawks is... I mean, we already mentioned this earlier, but when when your two best offensive linemen are out and your offensive line already isn't good to begin with, it's not good. And then they're missing their, their top three running backs. And as you mentioned in previous, which really got in my head, and I think it's a good point, as you mentioned, they signed Marshawn Lynch, and they're not just going to go away from the run, which they should be doing when they have Russell Wilson and two very good receivers. Use them. And I think the litmus test was Week 17 against the Niners, where Lynch got 12 carries, and Travis Homer, who's their number four running back, which I think looked okay in that game. Yeah, he's not. I don't think he looks bad. He's averaging over six yards per carry. He he had ten carries in that game, and Lynch had twelve. Mm-hmm. So they, they they had twenty two between them, math, and um, they were behind that whole game. Like they they trailed. I think. I mean, they never had a lead. If I'm correct, right? I don't think they ever had a lead in that what? game. And uh, the Seahawks yeah. against the Niners, and they were right. they were yes. down pretty quick, and I think they were down like thirteen nothing. They're down by by two scores for I want to say like the majority of the game, and they kept yeah, they kept they kept running it. So like twenty two yep. carries isn't a lot, but it is based on how that game sort of went. So they're not going to go away from the run. Like they're going to, hmm. and the more if they like every time they run, that's a win for the Eagles. So I think they're, I think they're going to be just I think they're going to get out coached is what I think is going to happen. And not I don't even necessarily out coached. I think they're just not going to. They're just not going to play they w- the way they should play. And I think the Eagles take advantage. I think they uh, get enough stops defensively. And I think they get enough scores offensively. Just get the job done. So I'm going to go Eagles 23, Seahawks 21. Wow. So a two-point win for the Eagles at home. That's what Jimmy has. Jimmy, what you're talking about with the whole running thing, yeah, that reminds me of the – First game the Seahawks played in the playoffs last year against the Cowboys. Yes, right. You did right. You brought that up on the on the pod that time. Yeah, I did. And to me, it basically looked like the Seahawks didn't want to win that game because every time they put the <laughs> ball in Russell Wilson's hands, he did something great. Yeah. And then they would just go back to the run inexplicably, and it wouldn't work very predictably. And yes, the Eagles' defense can stop the run. They can do that. That's one thing you can kind of trust them to do. And the defense as a whole, now when you're looking at you know the, the job Jim Schwartz has done here. They've allowed 17 points or fewer in seven of the team's last nine games. And and, and the home away slip splits, too. The they're under, yeah. So all season, it's under eight, uh, 17 points per game at home, like just on the season. Yeah. And then you look at Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson and what those guys are doing right now. Again, they've had this, this stretch of four games with 400-plus yards of total offense. I just think the offense is not in a perfect state by any means. Um, but they're in, they're in a better spot than they were than the last time they played the Seahawks. I think that's kind of not even up for debate, even though Brooks and Ertz might be hurt. I just think as a whole, like the coaching staff, like the, the way that 
the way Carson Wentz is playing, the way the coaching staff is operating, I think it's just a healthier state of offense than it was when these teams last played. It was arguably um, their worst offensive performance of the year when they played Week 12. It was, I mean, it, they only scored a touchdown in garbage time. Yeah. Like, otherwise, they were only had, what, like uh, three points in the mm-hmm. whole game? Right. So, yeah, and I just think with the turnovers, like, that's going to be better this time. Did you know that Carson Wentz has zero interceptions <laughs> this year except in that Seahawks game? I did not know that. How many did he yeah, have in that I didn't game? Really... How, how, many, how many of those turnovers were picks? He had two. Were they both, like, uh, you know, just him trying to make plays at the end of the game? Or was... Well, the one... Oh, no, one of them was bad. Yeah, one was really bad. I can't remember the other one. But, um, but yeah, so I, I just I think Carson's going to be much better in this game yes. than he was in that game. Having the offensive line configuration more solidified as opposed to putting uh, Dillard in there mm-hmm. and him just predictably being a disaster. Yep. <laughs> I, I think they're going to be more prepared, even though like, we kind of talked earlier about the weird flux of like what's going to happen with Lane or whatnot. Even even with that said, I think Statland and like it'll figure it out, and I think they'll have a better plan this week. So I just I think a lot of things are trending in a good direction for the Eagles here, and then just the whole underdog mantra like that is really where this team plays at their best. Did you see Jimmy that the Eagles and the Vikings? Where yes, I did see left that. Off. They, <laughs> yeah. left, they left them off the playoffs. Zimmer video. commented on it. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, no, Zim, Zimmer said, I forget what he was asked, but he said something to the effect of like, uh, well, no, nobody thinks we're going to win because they, we weren't even in the video. <laughs> <laughs> so he was aware and, that, that that happened. Well, so was this team because that was like, I remember um, I was someone on BGN pointed out that in the comments, uh, pointed out that Doug Peterson and Nick Foles, I think both of their books that they wrote after the Super Bowl, they pointed out that graphic that had like the Vikings and the Patriots in the Super Bowl before the NFC Championship game. Do you remember that? No. What happened? So the NFL's official Facebook page posted like a graphic, get your tickets for Super Bowl 52 or whatever. And it was a graphic of Case Keenum and Tom Brady. Oh, like, wow. And this was I, before I the championship that. game. Yeah, it was before the championship game happened. Huh. And both, so I think both Peterson and Foles acknowledged like they saw that and that was used as like motivation that week going into the championship game. So, I don't think it's impossible that they look at that video, the Eagles, and they and not even just that alone, but just you know the fact that they are literally underdogs again yeah. in the odds. Like this team, they they thrive in that spot. Like I, I think it's clear as day that they thrive when they're being counted out. They've never beaten the Seahawks before. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. Russell Wilson is going to take this team down to the wire. <laughs> it's definitely not going to be easy. But I do think the Eagles win, and I think they at least cover. I mean, I think this could be like a one point game. So I like the two points. Um, I think the Eagles win this game, I'm going to say, by a score of 21 to 20. Okay. Any uh, New Year's resolutions? I think the Eagles' New Year's resolution should be to win this game so they can get Deshaun Jackson back and then go on a a Super Bowl run. I think that would be a good one for them. Just a little advice to give out for free. For me personally, Jimmy, uh, I don't think I do. If if Deshaun comes back, like if if they get through this game – and it's and there's like a report early in the week that he's probably going to play. Mm-hmm. Fan base is going to be, as the kids say, lit AF. It's a it's a game changer. <laughs> it really is. It I changes mean, it really, a lot. It really is. It really is. That'll be there's fun. no more. It'll be, there's it'll no be other fun to cover all week. There's no other player that could return in the playoffs <laughs> that would be as big of a deal for any other team. Correct. Yeah, in terms of like realistic, right. not, I mean, there's no yeah. quarterback out there that's like out. You know. Yeah, it's a, it would be a huge deal. It would it, it would be like that's crazy. That's that's going to be so exciting for Eagles fans. Like if they win this game, and then it's like because the the 
if the, it wasn't this way, it'd be like, oh, you're going on a short week to San Francisco, probably. I'm guessing it's going to be against the Niners. And it will really be on tough. a short week if they play the Niners. They already know the yeah. schedule for the. Uh, they already they, they, so the teams that have buys, they already know when they're going to play next week. Oh yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Yeah, like, okay, I'm okay. assuming it's going to be the. I'm assuming it's the 49ers who they're going to be playing. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I don't think the. I don't think the Vikings are winning. Right, so, right, right. so where a lot of people I think would normally just be like, oh, you know, it's going to be really tough. They probably can't beat them. Like it's been a good season, whatever. Uh, I don't think everyone's giving up, but I just like I think people are going to like feel really, really good, and they should. If Deshaun's back, it's huge. Yes, it's huge. Yes. So, do you have any resolutions, Jimmy? Yeah, I'm a fat ass all of a sudden. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I saw this. <laughs> I saw you tweet about this. You're up like 30 pounds. <laughs> no, uh, not quite 20. So at the beginning okay. of the year, actually not even the beginning of the of the uh, season. I want to say like the, like at the start of like training camp. I want to say I was like one ninety eight, which is good for you know I'm six three. Um, and now this morning I weighed myself. Uh, well, when I tweeted it, it was two sixteen, and today this morning two seventeen. So I'm mm. <laughs> up nineteen pounds. Uh, over the course of the season, which actually isn't uncommon. I usually gain weight over the course of every season because I just don't have time to work out. And then... It's a grind. And then uh, otherwise, like, so also when I have time, I'll actually, like, make good meals. But when I don't have time, I'm just grabbing stuff on the go. And usually that, like, to-go kind of stuff. And I'm not talking about, like, I'm not, like, going to McDonald's or anything like that. But, like, just even things that I have in the house thing, that I have in the house here. I'll just grab whatever. And you're, normally that stuff isn't anywhere near uh, as healthy. So, uh, yeah. What's your go-to snack? Do you do this by category? By, like, salted snack kind of deal? And then, like, candy? I was I was saying it, like, you're on the run. You got to grab something real quick. Like, what's the one thing you would grab? Like, what's one of those things you were talking about? Wow, like pretzel. Okay, boom. You? Double pretzel. Uh, double, Wawa double pretzel. So there's these chips called Late July chips. Hmm. Have you seen those? I have not. They're really good. They make this red bag. It's called, um, it's like a habanero flavor. It's a habanero bacon flavor. It's, they're so good. I love them. Okay. I've never heard of them. Yeah. Well, go check them out. They're, I think they're they're not are like. Are they at Wawa? I don't, unfortunately, I don't think they are. Oh, okay. But they do have. Oh, what's the thing at so Wawa? So you just keep have? them stocked in your house then? Yeah. They have voodoo chips at Wawa though. Have you had voodoo I'm chips? I'm not a big voodoo chip guy. All right. What a depressing way to end the podcast. <laughs> um, all right. This has been BGN Radio episode 100 here previewing the Eagles Seahawks game with you. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll have more coverage here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast network. Check out more Eagles coverage on bleedinggreennation.com, obviously, and as well as Jimmy site at Philly Voice. Um, we will see if the Eagles win this game and then maybe we'll be doing a preview podcast next week. If not, we'll be back here talking about the end of the season, which will be a much more less fun thing for Eagles fans to listen to. But either way, we'll be you here. Will so make sure you, rate, you will listen, especially if you rate review and subscribe. So make sure you do that. And I guess we'll talk to you next time. Bye everybody. P G N.